the youngest of five. So let's start off with Happy Mother's Day. I had the privilege of growing up in a family, the youngest of five, and co coming to this church from the time I was born, moving to North Idaho. But one of the things I want to say about Mother's Day is the gift that my mom gave me and the gift that my dad also gave me was I grew up in a home where there was peace. There was happiness and joy. Alan, anything I need to change with the feedback there? Are we all right? Okay. I did not know that we didn't have any money. I didn't know that, that there were times when mom was making that pound of hamburger last for a week. I, that's one hamburger, right? I mean, you can go to Big Judd's and get a two-pound hamburger. I was happy and content through my childhood because of these two people. That's a reason to say Happy Mother's Day. And then I had the privilege of marrying the most beautiful woman I'd ever known. And I knew that she was the most beautiful person in the world in fourth grade when I first met her. But once we got married, the greatest gift that God gave us was when she got to become a mommy. Because it was what we desired so much from God. The privilege of being able to say Happy Mother's Day. And to know all that that means. What a privilege. Today I'm going to talk to you a lot about happy. This started for me, actually... Um, I was at a conference in Washington, D.C. In, in October, or not October, um, in March. Don't know how you could get those two months mi mixed up, but it's possible. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know what I do, I am the, quote, chief technology officer of the Boise School District. I'm the one who's in charge of making sure that every piece of technology works in the Boise School District. The comical part of that is I am not an IT person at all. I have a minor in computer science from 1988, which was obsolete the day before I graduated. <laughs> but I've been doing this job for five years now, and so I go to IT conferences. You're all thinking to yourselves, whoo, 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 lucky guy, huh? Who wouldn't want to go to an IT conference? <laughs> the final day keynote speaker talked about happiness. Why is he talking about happiness at, at an IT conference? He told, he told some great stories, and I'm going to fill you in on that, but it reminded me right away as he talked, I have no idea if he's a Christian, but everything he said rang true to the Bible. Did you know there's research out there, and there are, there are videos that you can watch. They grabbed this group of people, and they brought them in, and they said, write down something, someone that you're thankful for. But before they did it, they gave them a test that measured their happiness. Then they walked in and said, you see that piece of paper you just wrote on? Here's the phone. Call that person and tell them what you're thankful for, why you appreciate them. After that exercise, they then gave them the same happiness test again. And what happened to the people who showed thankfulness? Their happiness went up. And, ironically, the people they called, their happiness went up too. So we're going to talk about happy today. And I want to take you back to Pastor Ralph's sermon from last week. John chapter 15 and we are looking at verses 1 through 11. It says this, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. 
for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Final part of last week's sermon. Did not Pastor Ralph switch from just talking about abiding to the fruit of the Spirit and joy. I sat over there going, and he has no idea that I have spent the last two months planning a sermon about joy and happiness. Coincidence? No. God. I have loved you even as my Father has loved me. Remain in my love when you obey my commandments. You remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. And here's the key verse. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Anybody need more joy? Anybody look at their spouse or a friend lately and say, we need to have more fun? I think we heard that from Pastor Ralph last week also. We need to be having more fun. We need more joy. We need more happiness. We need more peace. Is there anybody who's going, no, I'm good, got too much already? I don't think we are. So let's talk about that today. And how about this verse? The Apostle Paul talking. And I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. What's he calling us to? How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. And I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need. This is Philippians 4, 10 through 13. Not that I was ever in need. For here is what I know. I know how to live on almost nothing. Or everything. For I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I believe that Paul just told us that he learned to be content. I don't think he was there when he was blind on the road. I don't think he was there when he was holding the robes of the guys who were stoning Christians. I don't think at that point he had learned to be content. But the more he learned about Jesus and his love in his life, the more he learned to be content. We have that opportunity to learn. It may not happen in every single one of us automatically. I'm going to let you get up, and we'll see if the video will work. But take a few minutes to greet one another, wish somebody a happy Mother's Day, and we're going to talk about being happy today. Okay, that it, that's happy enough for now. All right, so I want to tell you a little bit about the happiest place on earth. Disneyland. 
I've got, what I would like you to do is, yes, first of all, turn to your neighbor and tell them, other than Disneyland, what's the happiest place on earth for you? You know, um, I'd like to bring my sister Lori up to the platform now, and I did not tell her about this, so come on up. When we were kids, you're not even going to have to talk, but when we were kids, the happiest place on earth? No, that's easy. Pine Acres Church Camp. Right? Yep. That was the happiest place on earth for us. Because the day it ended, Lori would have in her notebook how many days it was till the next one started. That's happy. Thank you, ma'am. You, you were fantastic there. You were really good. What made it the happiest place on earth for us? Jesus. What happens if you actually take time away from the rat race of your daily life when you have a chance and just get filled over and over and over again with the word of God? Joy unspeakable. Happiness. Now, I don't want to get into semantics this morning about the difference between happy and joy. Let's all agree that you can find different definitions for those two things. They're going to be interchangeable for the purposes of what we're doing this morning. For those of you who've ever been to church camp, on the first night of church camp, does every um, person, every camper just praise God and excited to be there? Tuesday a little bit better. Wednesday maybe a little bit better. Last year, by Friday night, we were jumping up and down and dancing all over the place. Why? Jesus. Let's see how well... We're trying some new technology this morning because I'm the IT guy, and we couldn't get the sound connected real well. So let's try this and see if this helps. finish it. Happiness can be learned. In that choir class, they practiced this song, and it took a long time for them to really get it. And as they started for the first time performing it, what did the teacher have to do? Come here. No, because you're not doing happy yet, are you? Come here. You stand next to me until you do happy the right way you're supposed to do happy. Because happiness can be learned. It's not something that you just automatically have. Even for us Christians, we can practice it and get better at it. Notice the discomfort of people in the audience <laughs> when the choir isn't sure how to be happy. When the choir is doing the happy day, not real sure I'm happy day, made people uncomfortable to see unauthentic happy. Right? Watch the audience here, too, because they're kind of going like, oh, can they sing a happy day in a more sad way? <laughs> that was not the happiest clap I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Is happiness contagious? Yes. Is the joy of the Lord contagious? We have an opportunity to today to decide 
to be a little bit more contagious with our happiness and our joy. We have an opportunity today, every single time we say Happy Mother's Day, to let's, let's start focusing on the happy. Because we have the right to be happy in Jesus. We have the privilege of being happy in Jesus. For the last two months at work, I have YouTubed every version of Oh Happy Day that I could find. How do you think my happiness is at work? You know, there's a lot of happy songs out there. Do you know when that song was written? I do now. In the 60s. In California. And it went to the top of the charts. It is an amazing song, and everybody wanted to sing it, because when they would sing it, what would happen? They got happy. Now, I've got a couple of the songs we could have gone with this morning. We could have gone with the late 1980s, Don't Worry, Be Happy. We could have gone with, what was it? No, I just lost a tune in my head. We could have gone with Happy, the, the feral, whatever, yep, could have done that one. I was going to play it, but then our technology, whatever. I'm going to get to this one at the end. But I sing... Because I'm happy, I sing. Because I'm free, his eye is on the spare. Whoa, 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 whoa. We'll stop there since it was a really good key. What did... Uh, the Apostle Paul want us to know, and what did Jesus want to know? Jesus promised us this, overflowing joy, happiness, peace, and abundant life. Is that not what Jesus promised? If you abide with me, and I abide with the Father, he promised us that. Then why don't I always have it? We'll get there. We'll get there. Because part of the reason I don't always have it is because Paul challenged us in this way also. Paul said, i got to press on toward the goal of the high call of Jesus in my life. I don't just one day say, I accept you, Lord, and then go, bam, happy. I get to press on. I don't know about you, but I think Paul would have been a really good coach. He liked to buffet his body. He liked to challenge us. He liked to say, why am I doing the things that I hate when I should be doing the things that I... Paul understood life. And he said, I'm trying. Isn't that what pressing on meant? I'm trying. I'm doing something about it. Also, I believe Paul learned to be content. Again. It was something he learned. What are you doing to learn? How are you magnifying the Lord? What were the first two songs this morning? I'm trading my sorrows. That seems like something that is a choice. No, I'm hanging on to my sorrows. Or I'm trading my sorrows. Which one leads to happiness? Which one leads to joy? So I got way too many books because the guy in Washington, D.C. wrote a book called The Happiness Equation. He also, before he wrote The Happiness Equation, his wife divorced him, his best friend killed himself, and life was awful. And his response was he started blogging and his blog is called 1,000 Awesome Things. And he just started blogging every night one awesome thing. And they were simple. Like, turn to your neighbor now and tell them what your favorite board game is of all time. Tell somebody, what's your favorite board game? What's your favorite, John Berg, what's your favorite MASH episode? For me, 
anything with Captain Flag. If you're a MASH fan, anything with Captain Flag. If you're my age, then if I say pork chops and applesauce, that's swell. You know exactly what I'm referring to. Brady Bunch. Okay. He started blogging simple things like that of saying, when I think about the awesomeness of plastic bubble wrap, I get happy. <laughs> because when I take out the plastic bubble wrap and I start popping those bubbles, I'm in my happy place. <laughs> That's as simple as his blog was. And you know what happened to his blog was he became the highest rated blogger in the world with like 60 million followers. And so then people called him and said, would you write a book? And then people called him and said, would you go on TV? And then people called him and said, would you be a keynote speaker at an IT conference? His book talks about this idea. We've had it backwards for years. Do great work. Become a big success. Then you'll be happy. How many rich people who are highly successful do we know that are searching for peace and joy and happiness in their lives. Does that equation work? Does that equation work? Be happy. The happier you are, the greater your work will be. The more success you will have. And strange thing then happens. It circles back around and you're happier. Yeah. Choose to be happy first. I got kind of interested in this concept then because it's biblical, is it not? But there are researchers around the world who are studying this going, okay, wait a minute. So I'm just supposed to be happy? That's, that's your solution? That's your sermon for Mother's Day, David, is everybody... Just be happy. Yes. <laughs> That's it. Be happy. Yes. Now, by thinking about it even just a little bit, are some of you feeling a little happier because you've actually smiled and thought of some things this morning that made you happy? Let's continue the research. How about this? Harvard Business Review reports that happy people are 31% more productive and have 37% higher salaries and are three times more creative than their partners. Their research says, be happy, and this is what will take place. How about this one? I have no idea who this American philosopher is. But the greatest discovery of any generation is that a human being can alter his life by altering what? His attitude. Have we heard that one before? I think we have. And have we attributed it to, let's go back a step. How many of us have heard about the power of positive thinking and went, but that's not Christian. David, it's not about positive thinking. I think I've even heard sermons about that. It is about positive thinking. The scripture will be in my slides later on that says, if there be any good things, do what? Think on these. That sounds like positive thinking to me. When did Jesus look at his disciples and say, think more negatively about that? You know what, Peter? You're too happy today. Cut it out. I don't think so. I think he was saying, if there be any good things, think on these. How about this one? Shakespeare. For there is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. We all know people who have been through great things and have been through awful things. And what they thought about in either circumstance is what really determined what happened next. What did my grandma Nadine Taylor say when the house next door was on fire? Wouldn't it have been exciting to see what God would have done if ours would have caught on fire too? That's crazy. No, that's understanding 
that I have a choice on what I think in every circumstance. How about this one? Aristotle. Happiness depends on us, depends on ourselves. And then my favorite one, because I got this one years ago from my wife, because her father gave it to her, Viktor Frankl. Anybody know who Viktor Frankl was? He's a Jewish man. So where did he spend his youth? In a concentration camp. Everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The last of human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. To choose one's way. A young man in a concentration camp said, I get to choose my way. I get to choose my attitude. I get to choose what I think. Okay, so you're now saying, but David, this philosophy stuff doesn't work. It's not, that's not good enough. Huh. James chapter 1. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. <laughs> Apparently, it's not just the philosophers of old. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I think it's a choice. What I think is a choice. Back in the 70s, this was our favorite version of that verse. The Living Bible. Dear brothers, is your life full of difficulties and temptations? Then... Be happy. Let's take that out of the road with us. Right? Let's walk down the street, see somebody unhappy, and say, be happy. Obviously, there's more to it than just that. But if we are not willing to make the choices that are in front of us that will lead to happiness, then we might miss all that God has for us. How about this? Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. Sounds like he is telling himself, you need to do this. This is David doing what? Talking to himself. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. When I'm in the middle of my pity party, I am forgetting all his benefits. And I'm not making the choice to bless the Lord, oh my soul. I'm making the choice to say, I don't like where I am. I don't like what they did. I don't like what I don't have. I don't. That's a choice. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems you your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy who satisfies you with great good so that your youth is renewed like eagles. What happens when you choose to bless the Lord, O my soul? Might be another one. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Why is Paul so hard on us about this rejoicing thing? Why does he insist on saying, oh, don't be anxious about anything? (laughs) But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And if you do that, what follows? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We have a choice today. Is it going to be a happy Mother's Day? Thank you. Will you rejoice? And again, rejoice. Will you be thankful in every situation? I'm not asking you to say, God, so thankful my leg got broken. I'm not asking you to say, thank you that this went bad. But I am asking you to say, I rejoice in who you are, God, and I rejoice that you are with me through this situation. I rejoice that you have been faithful to me forever and that I will get through this by the strength you are giving me. And I'm so thankful, God, for what I do have. I'm thankful for salvation. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful, 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 thankful. 
I think that's what Paul calls us to do. And he doesn't quit, even though it looks like he may. Finally, brothers, there it is, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned, Paul liked learning, and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. What are you practicing? Athletes, some of you have heard it. Practice makes? Uh Uh-uh. Somebody changed it. I got it from a couple people out there. Perfect. Perfect practice makes what? Perfect. Practice makes permanent. What you practice becomes what you are. Anybody remember me standing up here about five months ago and I talked about this little portion of the brain and the way that the brain works is the more you think about it, the more you will think about it. Okay, I know that's circular, but this is how it works. I buy a new car and suddenly I see them everywhere on the road. I had no idea that there were that many people driving a Honda Pilot. They're everywhere. I like basketball. So if somebody starts talking about basketball, my ears perk up. I listen more intently. I think more about what I think about. If I start thinking about happy things, what will happen to my life? I'll start thinking about more happy things. I need to practice on purpose. All right. I got to go here because I got home from that conference in Washington, D.C., and Susie had given Michelle this book. It says, Switch on Your Brain, The Key to Peak Happiness. I decided God was trying to tell me something because I kept on getting surrounded by this happiness thing. Metacognition. Ready for your science lesson of the day. Metacognition simply means... Step outside of yourself for a second and think about how you think or think about what you're thinking. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and as you're saying something to them in the back of your mind, you're going, oh, why did I say that? That's metacognition. It's thinking about what you think. Okay, the next one. Neuroplasticity. Here's a good one for you. The brain is malleable and adaptable, changing moment by moment of every day. Scientists are finally beginning to see that the brain as having renewable characteristics. Sound like a verse anybody knows? Renew your mind. Scientists now agree with the Bible. The brain is renewable. And the last one is the craziest one of all. I'm not a scientist, but I play one while I'm speaking. Epigenetics. Think nature versus nurture. Remember the argument? You're that way because it's just who you are. It's your nature. Or you're that way because it's what your parents taught you. Chicken or the egg. Nature versus nurture. But let's rethink it. Because did you know that science now says that how you think actually turns some genes on or off? That's science. Now, it does not change your DNA. But your brain is constantly growing and changing and creating new neural pathways and the decisions you make and how you think changes which way the new neural pathway goes and creates patterns. How you think impacts your physical brain and body, your mental health and your spiritual development. Your nature may be predisposed to good or bad, but 
how you are nurtured and you choose to think also plays a role. In the Bible, it says something about the sins of the parents being carried on for four or five generations. Not my favorite verse. But it also says, choose you this day whom you will serve, and it will be extended to many generations. Which means, either way, the decisions I'm making are affecting my daughter's grandchildren. And the fact that my grandfather stood up here and preached the grace and the mercy of God and prayed as consistently as he did has affected my ability to think positively. Oh, but that's scary, isn't it? Here's the good news. What's the last one say? Sins of a parent can create a disposition, not a destiny. Because there are some of you in here who are first-generation Christians. And your destiny is just as bright as the 12th-generation Christian because God loves you the same and gives you the same Holy Spirit. So the lack of the Holy Spirit in your parents' lives does not prevent you from having all that the Holy Spirit has for you. Now the scary side again for a moment. The fact that the Holy Spirit is in me does not guarantee that all of my grandchildren will make the same choice. We all have a choice. So let's talk about the choice real quick. And if I'm going to tell you that happiness is a choice, then I better help you understand maybe some of the things that you can choose to do that will increase happiness. And these are the scientifically researched ones that I have been reading about and that I was told by scientifically proven books. They sound good, though, really. How about three walks? They did a research at Penn State, and they discovered that if you just do an hour of brisk walking three times a week, huh, you're happier. I think going for a walk would be a choice that leads to greater happiness. How about this one? The 20-minute replay. Riding for 20 minutes about a positive experience dramatically improves happiness. Why? Because you actually relive the experience. Come on now. How many of you have seen a movie and can't wait to share it with somebody else? Why do you tell them about the great movie you just saw? Why were Michelle and David standing over here 20 minutes ago talking about the musical The Greatest Showman and smiling? Because we recently watched it, and then Gabriella and Candace watched it last night, so then Michelle watched it again, and then David has watched it, and the more you talk about it and you have this commonality between you, what happens? You're reliving the joy of watching it the first time. Why not practice writing it down? I'm going to give you things that will create happiness, activities, uh, random acts of kindness will make you happier. A complete unplug. Turn off your cell phone and the TV and the computer and maybe just have a good conversation with somebody. Or maybe combine a few of these. Turn off the cell phone and the TV and do a 20-minute write about good things and then go for a walk. And whoa, you're happy. <laughs> Two-minute meditation. It's so bizarre. If there be any good things, think on these. And science are, is telling us if you meditate on things, you'll be happier. Why are we waiting for science to confirm what the Bible already told us? If you meditate, even just for two minutes. Did you see the last part of this? Studies report that meditation can permanently rewire your brain. Okay, David, I don't do meditation. Yes, you do. (laughs) 
How many of you have sat for two minutes, again, in your own pity, going, this is awful, this is terrible, I can't believe it, this is terrible, I don't like this, this is bad. What are you doing? That's meditation. And because how hard is it for somebody to pull you out of that when you're in that spot? I'm thinking bad things right now. I don't like this right now. This is not good right now. Why is this happening to me? To pull you out of that negative thought is a hard thing to do sometimes. How about we choose to meditate on the good things? It will change your life. Five gratitudes. Okay, here's the truth. All of these are from this guy in Washington, D.C. that talked to me, that talked to our group, and all of them are from the Bible, and he doesn't know it. As far as I know, there's nothing in here where he quotes the Bible. But they're all there, aren't they? Be thankful. Be grateful. But I'm not happy, David. I'm not. It's not that simple, David. You're right. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation. If you're sitting here going, but David, I appreciate this. I've kind of felt a little bit happier while you've talked this morning. But the reality is when I walk out of here today, life is hard. And there are circumstances in my life that I'm not happy about. It's a trick of the enemy to say to you, you need to be condemned because you're not as happy as you should be. That's a trick. That's a lie. Yes, amen. Because... Here's part of the issue that we're dealing with. What we're dealing with is that we all think that happiness means I should never have a negative thought. You're going to have negative thoughts. You're going to have some things that happen that aren't ideal. You're going to have this picture in your mind of this is how it's going to happen, and it's not going to quite work that way, and you're going to have some negative thoughts. That's real life. More importantly... What do you choose to do when you're disappointed? What do you choose to do when it's hard? What do you choose to do with the negative thoughts? What do you try choose to do when life truly is hard? Because I wish I could tell you, be saved, have great joy, nothing bad will ever happen again. That's not how it works but what you choose to do to rely on God in the trouble. Here's an example that I learned from my parents. They wrote a book about their life, and even after the stuff that they talked about that was hard, at the end of the paragraph it says, God is good. They just told a story about when he fell down a mine shaft and broke his back. God is good. Just told a story about finances were not great, but God is good. What do you choose to do? I know, again, it's not that simple. And the Bible knows it too. There's a book about it. It's called Lamentations. Read the Bible. David complained a lot. Read read Psalms and you will find David going, Woe is me, God, everybody is against me. My enemies have risen up. It is awful, God. Lamentations is a book of Jeremiah going, Lord, what are you doing? If you're in that moment, do not be condemned. Feel no condemnation because it's in the Bible there are times to lament. It's okay. There are times to say, Okay, David, I know I should be happy, but I'm just not. You know what? All of us need to be okay with that. We need to be okay with others who are going through times in their lives when it's just not. It's in the Bible. But what did David do at the end of most of those psalms? Oh, but bless the Lord, oh my soul. Okay, I know I've complained for the last 24 hours, God, but I know. Okay, you're good. What did he do? He made the choice when it was hard to start saying, okay, bless the Lord. 
And then he got up the next morning and went, oh, it's still the same. Dang it, God, those enemies are up against me. Okay, but I'm going to make the choice to be thankful. And then he got up the next morning, and the enemy was still there. And he made the choice again and again. I can't promise you how many days in a row you're going to have the opportunity to make the choice. Because I can't predict all the circumstances of life. But I don't know of another choice than in the midst of the worst part of my life to be able to say, Lord, help my unbelief. I don't have joy, and I don't have peace, and I don't have rest. I know you're good. Help me through this. And what I can promise you is the sun will rise again, and you will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You will not stay and sleep in the valley of the shadow of death, but you will walk through it. And I wish I could say you walk through it in one day or in one week or in one month. But how many people in the Bible went through awful things and then in Hebrews, they are in the hall of fame of faith because they kept walking. Because they said, you know what? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. I can do this. I can't do it, God. I can't do it. I can't keep going, but I can do this. They argued with themselves. I can do this. Is anyone suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray and anoint them with oil. For though we walk in the flesh, I'm going to skip down to this, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing what? Bringing every thought captive. Proverbs, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. This is Bible. Ephesians, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, giving thanks always for all things. Romans 12, 1 and 2, let's renew our minds. Deuteronomy, today I have placed before you a choice. What are you going to do with the choice? I have placed a choice between life and death. Are you going to listen to the enemy that says it's never going to work? Or are you going to choose to listen to the positive? Are you going to focus on the positive? Are you going to think on any good things? I've given you a choice between blessing and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life. It's a choice. So that you, what? And your descendants may live. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. Do you want the people that come after you to have a good life? Then choose life today. Choose peace and joy today. Do the things, practice the things, be content because you've learned to do it. So why should I feel discouraged? Why should my heart be lonely? Well, again, his eyes on the sparrow, and I know that he's watching me. Go ahead and stand with me. That was practice. They had it nailed in practice, didn't they? And now real life came. And it got hard because people are watching me. 
Are you ready? Oh, happy day. Don't make me call you up here. Because I will. Because God has peace and joy for you, but are you going to make the choice? Because the first solution is this. If you want to find your happy place, the happy day is when Jesus washed all my sins away. That's my happy day. Will you make the choice first and foremost? The walk is good. Okay, meditation is good. All those other things I told you to practice are good. But the most important one is Jesus. He wants abundant life for you. He wants joy for you. And will you make the choice? Today, again, will you make the choice? Follow him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your what? Depends on the translation, but I believe your mind. Will you follow him with all your mind? You have reason to be happy today. You have reason to doubt, you have reason to fear, you have reason for all those things, but you have a choice to make. Jesus loves you and he came to give you salvation today and he came to give you a happy Mother's Day. And if you're still looking at me going, but you don't know, David, you don't know, I just did this and I just did this and this just happened and this just happened, you're right, I don't, but I know that. I'm going to fight and I'm going to pray and I'm going to live rejoicing every day. So usually we end this with prayer, but today we're ending it with go. Go be happy, find a happy song, play it on your, uh, I just almost said a track tape. <laughs> now you're happy. What happened at the end of this? He can't contain himself anymore, and neither can anybody else. You are blessed with the joy of the Lord this day. Choose his peace, choose his joy. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs>